Good morning, everybody. And may I greet you in my language too. Oboe. Can you still remember that? Let's say it together. Oboe. You're awesome. <laughs> it simply means good morning. All right, I'd like us to have a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Our dear Lord, we want to thank you for this opportunity to be in your house and in your presence this morning. We're about to hear your word. We ask as a church that you speak your word to us in the language we shall all understand. I will pray that the Holy Spirit will interpret every word to us. Thank you, Father. And as a church, we join our faith together to pray for David Water. We ask for your healing power to locate him right now wherever he is. You are the healer. We ask that you touch his body, touch his soul, and touch his spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, we shall be looking at the topic... The reason Jesus came. But before we go into the word, we're going to see a clip of an interview, a clip of an interview that was done on the street. And it's going to run for about a minute or two. I'd like you to listen carefully and hear what people say who Jesus is to them. It's a public view and opinion of who is Jesus. Uh, a Jew. Oh, that's a hard question. A great guy. Well, I'm Jewish, so we consider him a Jew. He was a dude. I don't think he was anything more than just someone who had some pretty good ideas. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he was the savior or anything. I would say my lord and savior. Yeah. Uh, he's a historical figure. Thanks. Um, a historical figure. I guess historically, he was a man who, a Jew, who lived, and people may or may not believe in him, or may not believe that he died on the cross, but in rose three days later. But I know it's true myself. I see Jesus more as uh, a figure or a guideline to how we should live, as opposed to an actual person. I think he was a real person. I don't know if he was all that mystical or not, but I, I believe he existed in history. Jesus is the Son of God. Um, he's, our, he's our Savior. <laughs> I think that he's the man who died on the cross for our sins. Um, he's a higher power, like divine, higher than all of us. He's the head of the Christian and Catholic religion. Okay. Who was Jesus? Jesus is everything, like literally. Um, Jesus is a man that sacrificed himself for us. I have friends that, uh, I guess that they say, you know, Jesus is the son of God. He's the one that, you know, died for like uh, us and purged us of all our sins. But um, I myself, I have like no real connection to Jesus. Uh, you know, he's just in the air. Yes. <laughs> Who is Jesus? Jesus is uh, everyone and everybody and everything. Jesus was one of many smart guys who've been down through the ages who people love to follow. 
guy that got us all saved from our sins, which I don't see why he tried because it's not looking good. <laughs> we have heard what people said about who Jesus is. People's opinion continues. Some people see Jesus as a carpenter. Some would say he's a prophet sent by God. Others have the opinion that Jesus Christ is a philosopher or was a philosopher. Then some people see him as a religious revolutionary. Then a few others see Jesus as a mint. Now, to the believers, those who believe in Christ, they see Jesus as a man. In 1 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 5, you'll read about that. Some others say he's the son of God. Jesus Christ is God himself. Jesus is the Savior, the everlasting Father, the mighty God, and Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I want us to narrow this down and try to personalize it. Who is Jesus to you? I believe that some of us haven't asked ourselves these questions that we've been asking. But right now, I want you to find out for yourself, who is Jesus Christ to me? Number one, can you see Jesus Christ as your healer? Can you say, Jesus Christ is my healer? Probably when you were sick, it came true, it touched your body, it touched your soul, it touched your spirit, and it made you whole. Like the woman with the issue of blood, we were told when it touched the hand of Jesus' garment, she was made whole. Was there a time in your life that you were sick, even at the point of death, and you called on him and he showed up as a healer in your life. Can you say, Jesus is my healer? Can you say, he's my comforter? When you were in distress, when you were in pains, did he come through as a comforter to you or to someone that is very close to you? Can you also say that Jesus is my deliverer delivered you from difficult situations attacks of the devil can you say he came through for me as a deliverer can you say Jesus is my helper a time where probably you were going through certain difficulties in your life and you needed a helper by your side. Was it present there as a helper to you? Can you say Jesus is my helper? Can you say he's my hope? When I was hopeless, he brought me hope. Can you say he's my hope? Can you say Jesus is my restorer? Restoring wasted years. Restoring things you have lost before. Can you say Jesus is my restorer? 
Can you also say that Jesus is my teacher, revealing miseries of the kingdom to you? Some things that ordinarily you wouldn't know, but he revealed them to you. The secret of the kingdom. Can you say Jesus has taught you things that you never knew before? And he's still teaching you day after day. Can you say Jesus is my peace? He is the prince of peace, the Bible says. But can you say Jesus is my peace? Can you say Jesus is my rock? The rock of ages. Or whom I stand and I can never fall. Or whom I stand and I am stable. No matter the storm, no matter the trial and temptation, because he's my rock, I am stable. Can you boldly say that Jesus is your rock? Can you say it's my protection? Whenever you are traveling, perhaps, and you ask God, I am embarking on a journey, could you please grant your protection over me and my family? You traveled safe, and you traveled back safe. Can you say, yeah, Jesus Christ is my protection? Can you say, Jesus is my provider? He is a God of providence. He supplies all our needs. There are times it looks so hard even to pay bills. And it comes true. He makes a way where there is no way. He sent people into your life to provide for the needs of the moment. But can you truly say that Jesus is my provider? Can you say he's my counselor, guiding you all the way by his counsels? Can you say he is my counselor? When I am at a point of making very important decisions in my life, do I receive counsel from him on which way to go, on what to do and what not to do? Can you say he's my counselor? Can you say Jesus is my strength? The Bible says his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Times that you're weak, times you're fragile, can you say Jesus came through for me and strengthened me? Can you say that? In the book of Numbers, chapter number 21 and verse number 4 and 5, we see a picture there that reflects on the brazen serpent. Yeah, Ashley has read that to us before, and so I'm not going to read it all over again. I'm only going to make two points. I will just bring out two points from that portion of scriptures. Number one. The brazen snake represents Jesus Christ. It was a symbol of Jesus, a symbol of what was going to happen. And if you look at the book of John chapter number 3 and verse number 14 and 15, it talks about Jesus Christ being a symbol of the serpent that was raised on the tree by Moses. If you don't mind, let me quickly read that to us. And I want us to listen. It's not going to be displayed, but I want to read it to us. Because I didn't want to bore us with too many scriptures. So I will just read a portion to us. Verse number 14 of John chapter number 3, verse number 14. And I want us to listen carefully. 
It says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Everyone who believes. Take note of that. It means when you believe, that is when you're going to have eternal life. Have that at the back of your mind as we continue. Number two point, it has the power to heal all manner of diseases. Let me quickly give you a picture of what happened there. The people sinned against God again and again. And each time they sinned against God, there is always a plague or a sickness or a disease that will plague them, that will affect them. The serpent will come and bite them. Some of them lost their lives as a result of that. Then God spoke to Moses. He said to avert this situation, the solution to this problem will be make a brazen snake and set it on a tree and place it conspicuously at a place where everybody can see it. And whoever is beaten by the snake and look up to that browsing serpent, will be saved, will be healed, will be cured. And that was exactly what happened. Moses obeyed the voice of the Lord, and he made a browsing serpent, and laid it on a tree like a cross. And he directed the people that were beaten by the snake. If only you can look up to that snake, you will be healed. And the people actually obeyed. As many of them that obeyed, they were healed. And that same reason why Christ came. We're going to look at that much more later. And in Psalm 107, verse number 1 to 3, and verse number 17 to verse number 22, we have two issues there. Number one, we have redemption from our enemies, the devil. The only enemy that we have is the devil. And Christ has the power to redeem us from the devil. God has the power to deliver us from the devil. And number two point, there is salvation for those who cry unto God from their distress. Just like the people that were beaten by snakes... As they looked up and cried unto God, God delivered them. God restored back their heads. And God is still in the business of healing and delivering people today. Ephesians chapter number 21, Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 10 to, uh, verse number 1 to verse number 10, it says, We were dead in sins and transgression. Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 1 to 10. I'm bringing out two issues there. Number one, we were dead in sins and transgression. But Christ came to save us by grace. I want you to hear this and hear me loud and clear. Everyone was born in sin. David declares 
in sin did my mother conceive me. And in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse number 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So no one is without transgression. We have all sinned. We are all sinners. We are sinners by nature. Take note. We are sinners by nature. And that is why the following verse says, We are saved by grace alone, not by our good works. And so no one should boast. And I want to say this loud to us. Sometimes we believe that our good works can save us. There is something bad in doing good works. It is good to be good. But your good works won't save you. Your good works won't take you to heaven. But I can assure you that when you are saved, you cannot but be engaged in good works. That is when your good works is acceptable by God. When you are saved, because you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, because you have Christ on the inside of you, you have the character of God. That makes you to be engaged in good works that is recognized by God. Remember in the book of Acts of the Apostle, where we are told about a man called Cornelius. He was giving alms to the poor. He was engaged in good works. Heaven recognized that he was doing good works. But that wasn't enough for heaven to accept his good works. That wasn't enough for God to say you were saved from today. He sent Peter to go talk to him about Christ. And until he gave his life to Christ, until he had a personal encounter with Christ, his good works were not recognized, were not acceptable unto God. So you can be saved and engaged in good works. God's name will be glorified. But if you're doing good works and think that will save you, biblically, no, it is not possible. And so we are all saved by grace. And going further, in the book of John chapter 3, verse number 14 to 21, here we see God's love, God's unconditional love. It is unfathomable. You can't fathom God's love. It's unconditional. It's not based on good works. God didn't love you because you're good or you're perfect. He loves you just the way you are. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ came and he died for us. So he didn't come die for us because we are good people. It's because we are broken people. We are falling from his grace, from his glory. And that was why he came. And so, first, God's love for you and I was what brought him down from the splendor of heaven. He left his glory. He left his splendor. And he came to this planet earth full of evil and atrocities. Just for you and me. He came to die on the cruel cross. He was hung on the tree. 
Do you know the kind of people, those things that are hung on the tree? Thieves, robbers. It's a shameful thing for someone to be hung on the tree. But he took your shame. He took my shame. And he went to the cross at Calvary. And he was there. And he died for your sake and for my sake. But only those who believe, hear this, only those who believe in him and accept him as the Lord and Savior are saved from condemnation and from destruction. Yes, salvation has been made available. Christ has paid the price for you. He has done it all. There is nothing, absolutely nothing he wants you to contribute to it. Not your good works, put it aside. He's done all of that. And all he's asking is simple. Just accept me as the Lord and personal Savior. He didn't come to condemn us either. His death on the cross was not to condemn you. It was to save you. And if you believe, hear this, if you believe, you are not condemned. But by the way, what brings condemnation? What is it that brings condemnation? If we do not believe in him, the Bible says we are condemned. If we do not accept his grace, unmerited favor, if we do not accept his love, unconditional love, if we do not accept his mercy, he has said, just come, I will show you mercy. If we do not accept his salvation, he has paid the price on the cross. He shed his precious blood for you and me. But if we refuse to accept all this, that is where there is condemnation. Because light, and the reason is simple. The reason is, light came, but we rejected the light. Who is the light? Jesus. How can someone offer you an opportunity on a platter of gold and you throw it away? That's what people are doing today. We seem to love darkness rather than light. And why? Because our deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. And Christ is the light that comes to shine in darkness. They are afraid that their evil works may be exposed. People just don't, love, don't, just don't like to walk in light, in the light rather. They want to walk in darkness. Why? Because they don't want you to see the kind of evil that is being perpetrated by them. Evil is always done at night in the covering of darkness. Although in some part of the world they don't really care, but any evil work is associated with darkness. But Jesus Christ is the light. And when Jesus Christ shows up in your life, all those works of darkness will not only be exposed but they will be dead with. Cleansed away by his blood. And a new life will be given to you. 
Now, what is the solution? The solution is simple. If you love the truth, accept the truth, and live by the truth, you come automatically into light. And that light is Jesus. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. And when we allow the truth to take over our lives and begin to live accordingly, God is pleased with us. And now we want to move to the raising, basically why Jesus came. Do I have, you know, said something about it before, but specifically we want to move in there. But before then, I want us to read a portion of scriptures in the book of Isaiah chapter number 61 and verse number 1 to verse number 3. Jesus Christ was invited to the synagogue someday. And he was asked to come over to the pulpit and speak the word to the people. And they requested for the scroll. The scroll used to be the Bible those days. And he opened up the scroll and he started reading. And what was it he read? He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. To the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for arches, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the plenty of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The reason why Jesus came. Hmm. To save Humanity from their sins. To save you and I from our sins. This is the period of Lent. When we all reflect back on our spiritual lives. When we're trying to reflect on what Christ has come to do. This is the period. This is the time we we take pexin and stock. We take stock of our lives as a believer and as an individual. This is the time we check have we been doing it right according to the will of God or we have been going our own ways. This is the time. Christ came to save us from our sins. We cannot say we have not sinned. For the Bible says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and we are making God a liar. We know ways and areas that we have gone wrong. Simply put, the Bible says, if we know what is right to do 
and fakes to do it to us is a sin. What is the right thing you ought to have done to a neighbor, to a colleague at the office, to a member at church, even to your husband or to your wife, and you fail to do it? The Bible says it's a sin. And so we can say we haven't sinned. So he came to save us from our sins. That salvation carries with it every other thing. For instance, to set the captives free. Salvation carries with it freedom. Number three, to restore hope to the hopeless. Salvation comes and it carries with it restoration. To give us life in abundance, according to John chapter 10 and verse number 10b. He said, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, but I have come to give you life and life in abundance. To give us life in abundance. To deliver us from destruction in hell. You probably may not have heard about hell or Hades, but it exists. Not for you, not for me, but for the devil. But the devil doesn't want to go there alone. He wants to drag so many other people with him. But Christ has come to deliver us from hell. He came. He sacrificed himself in order for us to be saved. The eternal God, it was impossible for death to hold him in the grave. He actually died. He was in the grave for three days. And the Bible said the third day, he rose back to life. He came back alive. Because it was impossible for death to hold him in the grave. He has power over death. He has power over the grave. And so there is no way a grave would have had him there. And that is why we celebrate Easter. That is the essence of Easter. That is the importance of Easter. He resurrected after three days. He became a life-giving spirit. When he came back alive, he started giving life to as many that will be humble enough to accept him as their Lord and personal Savior. Jesus can come into our spirit and give us the eternal life of God. He has the power to do that. For as many that believe in him, they shall not perish but have eternal life. Why did he come? We're still looking at this again and again. To be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. He's with you wherever you go. When you are traveling, he's with you. When you are going to work, he's with you. When you are busy cooking in the kitchen, he's with you. When you are at any eatery, he's with you. 
wherever you go, he is with you because he is Emmanuel. Don't be afraid, don't be scared. Just know that he is with you wherever you go. He said, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. I will be with you always and always, even unto the end of the earth. He is with us. It's waiting for us to open to him so he can wash away our sins and fill us with his life. It's possible you have been coming to church for several years now and you are still observing. I want to see how it looks like. I want to see how it feels like to be a Christian, to be a believer. But you have actually not opened the door of your heart for him to come in. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. If you can open the door of your heart, I will come in. I will dwell with you. I will sob with you. I will be with you. For how long are we going to struggle with that? It's high time we took a decision to say, yeah, Jesus, come. Come into my heart. I want you in my life. Let's stop playing church. Let's stop being religious. It's a good thing to come to church, but it is much better to know why we come to church. He's waiting to wash our sins away and to fill us with his life. He came for you and me. And if, and if you are here today and you haven't had a personal encounter with him, This is an opportunity for you to do that. This is an opportunity for you to say, Jesus, I give up. I want you in my life. I want you in my heart. I want to stop playing church. I want to get real with you. I want to get real with you. And it's very simple. Three bold steps you can take. In the book of Romans chapter 10, verse number 9, it explains it all. Number one step, just simply humble yourself and say, Lord, I have sinned. Forgive me. Forgive me. He's waiting to hear you speak to him. He said, ask and you will receive. He says, seek, you will find. He said, knock. And the door will be open. What are you waiting for? First, confess your sins. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. That's what Romans 3.23 says. The number two, believe in your heart. John 6, 35 and 47. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is come to die for you. To save you from sin. And number three, receiving by faith, wrote at Colossians chapter 2, verse number 6. Receive him by faith. As you confess your sins and accept and believe in your heart and receiving by faith, what happens? You are born of God's Spirit, you are a child of God. That's all. There is no sacrifice. No other sacrifice to be paid. 
No labor. Nothing more than that. Just as simple as that. And you'll begin to enjoy the fellowship with God, your Father, again and again. And I want to say this to each and every one as I bring this message to a close, or Simon to a close. I want you to know that God has been waiting for you. Before you came to church this morning, he knew you would be here. And he knew too that you were going to hear what you are hearing right now. He knows you more than you know yourself. He's closer to you right now than the clothes you're putting on. He is the only person that can count the number of grain of hair on your head. It matters to him about you. He cares so much about you. If there is anything, he doesn't want you to be lost in hair. But once you saved and come spend eternity with him in heaven. That is why he came. That is the reason Christ came. To save you. To get you from the shackles and the captivity of the devil. To get you back to him as his child. To enjoy fellowship with you as it was in the beginning. In the garden of Eden. He wants to have a beautiful relationship with you. An awesome relationship with you. That is why he came. And I don't want you to miss out in this. Don't let the devil make you postpone it and say, Oh, don't worry, tomorrow, we can do it tomorrow. The Bible says, Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. There are people who lost their lives this morning. They never thought they were going to die. We are not afraid of death. No. No, and we don't even wish to die when we have not fulfilled our assignment. But we never can tell what will happen tomorrow. Even an hour from now, it's God that has the power over the day and over the night and over time and seasons. So now is an opportunity. And I want you... To say this simple but all important prayer as you bring this sermon to a close. If you have not accepted him in your heart or you want to rededicate your life to him, this simple but all important prayer is all you need and there will be a change. God will give you his spirit. God will come into your heart. And transform your life. It will turn your situation around. And all those things that we saw before. Deliverer, comforter, hope, peace, restorer. Everything is going to be real in your life. And I want you right now. If you really mean it. I want us to say this prayer together. Shall we do that now? Want to go. Lord, I believe in you today as my Savior. 
Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Lord, forgive me my sins. And wash them away with your precious blood. Lord Jesus, I receive you right now into my heart as my Lord and personal Savior. Come in and be the Lord over my life. In your name I pray. Amen. God bless you.